shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend. I appreciate you back. I appreciate you tuning in for the first time. Thank you so much. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, well, I'd be delighted if you check out my channels. Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, my YouTube channel with all the content, all the videos, all the shorts, and this dedicated and designed, purpose-built, podcast-only YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. Either way, check them out. You'll join the most amazing community you're going to find on YouTube, I tell you, and it's hard to find a good community when you're autistic. Trust me. Now, on this particular video podcast, or you may just be listening to it wherever you get your podcasts, that's cool too. I'm just saying video podcast because if you actually want to see me talk... <laughs> Or behind the scenes? Oh, I don't know. doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, if you want to have vision to the words, you can watch it on my podcast channel, my YouTube podcast channel. We're going to talk about disclosure. Disclosure in autism. More specifically, disclosing an autism diagnosis. And let's focus in more on it relating to late diagnosed adults, autistic adults. So let's just get straight to it. Disclosure and autism. Let's start off, I guess, in chronological order of adult life dating when should you tell a prospective partner that you are autistic that's a question that may be one of the hardest questions you will tackle in relationships in friendships because you're dating someone you're autistic they might not be they may be who knows why'd you get attracted to each other there's many reasons but still navigating this idea so dating is is a dance of many facets autistic people have challenges social communication and interaction, which manifests into, and not always, but can be challenges reading verbal and non-verbal signals, body language, the things that people do, signs and tone, and that maybe neurotypical people have just taken for granted that it just makes sense to them. These are all pretty important when it comes to dating. Okay, so first you've got to meet people. Then you've got to meet someone that you're attracted to, They've got to be attracted to you. Someone's got to ask the other person out and you've got to start the dating dance. I'm tired just thinking about it, seriously. <laughs> Throw into that, disclosing something that's not only deeply personal, but really intrinsic to who you are as a person. So meeting people as an autistic person is bloody hard. Friends, relationships, whatever. Why? Well, our challenges can manifest in a way where people don't want to be around us. They don't want to hang out with us. They don't understand us. They don't accept us. They don't get us. There's no real connection. There's a disconnect. It's like a double empathy problem. And look, you can say, because it's a double empathy problem, it's not the fault of one or the other. We both must take responsibility. You can't just say, well, you, you talk differently. You interact differently. You're different, so that's your fault. No, so I'm doing my best, but what are you doing? You're just expecting it all just to make sense. Well, 
not going to make sense if you don't understand where I'm coming from or you aren't autistic or you don't understand autism or the autistic brain. So meeting people is really hard. It doesn't mean autistic people don't love socialising or don't love friends or don't love meeting people because that would be putting everyone in one basket and that's just not the case. Disclosure is one of those things where people might hope there is like a, here's my my how-to guide or my to-do list. Well, that doesn't really exist. Why would that exist? That doesn't make any sense. You're dealing with people here. There are no hard and fast rules on what you share of yourself to others. So from a dating point of view, do you think if you are hanging out and you meet someone who you're really into, you click with, you're attracted to, right? Not just as friends. And they seem like they're feeling the same. God knows how you worked it out, by the way. But let's say that happened. All right, what next? Oh, great. You know what? We seem to be really clicking. I'm Orion. I'm autistic. Want to go on a date? Sorry. Sorry, what did you say? Yeah, no, I'm busy. Uh, Here's my number. And it's not their number. And this is the thing, right? I'm being completely brutally honest when I say this, just looking back at my dating life, which was, you know, it might have been long, but not busy. I don't think I ever asked someone out I wanted to ask out because I didn't think they wanted me to ask them out or I didn't think there was anything there from their end, not from mine. And it isn't a fear thing. It's an actual, they literally have to basically walk up to me and knock on my head like it's a door and go, hello, hello, I like you. Would you like to go out kind of thing? It's like, and it's, it's this lack of awareness, lack of understanding. There's many different levels to this. So there's already that challenge going against me. The people that I dated, and there's only a handful in my entire lifetime, the people that I dated, I don't remember ever being in a situation where I was like taking control and initiating a relationship or a conversation or stuff. You know, these amazing, these amazing people, these amazing women were good enough to take the initiative or to see that it wasn't going to happen or for some reason or another and go from there. And that allowed me to experience relationships. Not many, but good relationships. So there's a good thing there. The first thing is, okay, well, if, you, if you're attracted to someone and they're attracted to you as well, then wouldn't you say that that means that they're attracted to you because you're autistic? Like what makes you autistic, the differences and the way you are as a person, that's, isn't that what they're attracted to? Right? Because what could, what could they be attracted to that isn't that? You being you. So as a result, you might as well just tell them. It's just putting, I mean, really, they knew already. They just didn't know the word for it or that it wasn't like a label or a title. Would I disclose when I found someone attractive, they found me attractive and we wanted to date? No, I'm not going to tell them, but they know to the extent that they've hung out with me and they've found me attractive for one reason or another. And I, I can't imagine it has anything to do with me being a normal person. Okay, so they already like me and find me attractive because I'm different. So I'm not, why would I tell them? That makes no sense. Let's enjoy this. We date. By the way, guys, dating doesn't have to be a long-term or a serious or a let's get married scenario. It's if it's right, if there's a conversation, it's organic and they seem interested and they seem to be asking those questions because they may already suspect, they seem open to it, then, then you go with it, you work it out. But it's a, it's a case-by-case, person-by-person scenario. Okay, so let's say that the relationship progresses. It goes from you know, casual dates to a relationship. Should you disclose? I reckon you probably should at some point, but again, based on some sort of understanding, unwritten, unsaid understanding, which autistic people will probably never pick up on. And here's my advice. If the, your you know, say neurotypical partner starts to ask you questions out of the blue, 
that kind of seem to be dancing around autism or autistic people or your differences or your challenges or pointing out things they've noticed about you, bringing up things. I think that might, might be a pretty good, pretty good opportunity to have that conversation. And, and, you know, disclosing doesn't have to be sound so disclose. Yeah, have a ch- yeah you, you're right. You're right. I, I, I am autistic. Yeah, actually, if we don't really call it this or that, you know, and talk a bit of about it. And the thing is, too, if in doing so, this makes it go bad or it ends badly, well, that's good, right? What, you want to have a long-term relationship with someone who doesn't want you for who you are or doesn't accept your diagnosis or doesn't want to accept it or understand it or finds it off-putting or it changes how they feel about you when they were attracted to you for the same reason in the first place. If that's the case, then that's good. I know there's a more logical side than emotional side for autistic people, but yeah, that's good. Disclosure is was an interesting thing for me because, and this is very common for late diagnosed, I was already married. <laughs> and you could say worse still, I was already married with a kid. And it's having that kid that led to my diagnosis. My disclosure came freely and openly because my wife was part of the process after we were married and had a kid. That's a pretty big time to find out. And then the argument comes in, well, Orion, if you just disclosed earlier, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And of course, that might be plausible for some people. Not for me. I didn't have a diagnosis. But my wife always appreciated me, presumably, for being different. So disclosure and dating, and again, these are just opinions and and perspectives and thoughts. If you're a different cat and someone's attracted to you, there's a reason for that. And it's not because you're normal in their eyes, in their neurotypical eyes. It's because they're attracted to you for who you are. If you have a diagnosis pre-existing and that becomes a long-term relationship, then organically it's something that you definitely should discuss. And I think it's for both. It's for, and if it's for your own safety. You want to get stuck in some long-term relationship not realising that when you finally tell them they're just going to leave you. Well, that's just stupid and worthless for both people. And then there's people like me who didn't get a chance to diagnose or disclose prior to getting married and having kids. It shows it's a case in point of not not worrying about disclosing unless it's organic because I couldn't, therefore I didn't. And then when I did, it didn't matter to the extent that, well, this is who you've always been. I knew knew you were always different. That makes sense. Let's talk about friends and family. So the extended part of your world early in life when you're dating. I don't think anything can prepare you, your friends or your family from processing and embracing an autism diagnosis. My experience is whatever you think is going to happen, won't happen. Whoever you think will take it the best, probably won't happen like that. You'll be surprised. The people who take it the best or the easiest or the most positive about it will surprise you. And the people who do the reverse will also surprise you. Disclosing to family and friends. Shall we break it down? Disclosing to friends. If they're friends, I reckon... You should just disclose. Got something to tell you, you know, getting an assessment. I've recently been diagnosed as an autistic person or with autism or however you want to say it. They're friends. You're telling them some news, which is what friends do. And they react the way they want to react. It is what it is. Again, it's like relationships. If there's friends that reject it, don't accept it, don't want to accept it, treat you differently or badly, whatever. They're not friends. And, and there will be friends who will. But it doesn't mean they're perfect. 
it's a journey. It's a, it's a journey on discovery and education, not only for yourself, but others. Friends can be easier than family. And people think, what are you talking about? I, I genuinely believe this. So there's a lot of moving parts to a diagnosis within a family. The first thing is, let's say you're late diagnosed. Well, is it, isn't it plausible that potentially your family members, or let's say your parents or other relatives older than you, so maybe they're siblings, but your parents might take it in a way where it's like, what are you saying? You're saying we did something wrong. You're saying it's our fault. You're saying we missed it. We should have done more. You're telling us something and all it's doing is making us look bad. And that's like, you do the best you can do. It's not, that's not the point. I think that initial feeling, that gut reaction of when your kid, your grown up kid tells you they're autistic and you might start to think, hmm, I'd, how do we miss that? Or what, did we ignore that? Or what were the signs? Or, geez, that's weird. And you automatically think, well, that's, so they're blaming us? Is it our fault? Have we ruined their life? What have we done to their life? Could, could their life been better? What could have, should have, what have we done? You know, these aren't helpful. That's not the point. But because of that, and you can't fix that, by the way. You can't fix that for other people, right? You can say that to your parents. This isn't about you guys. Don't take it personally. But you can't fix it because they're going to. So disclosing to parents and family can be way harder. They take it personally. It's like it's a failure on their behalf, which doesn't help anyone. Do you disclose to friends and family? Well, you do. But again, it comes down to what works for you and when it works for you. And it comes down to two understanding that relationships will be changed. As long as you're comfortable with that, then you disclose, you roll the dice, but you know that it's for the best for you. It might not be the best for them, but it's, it's for the best for you, for your personal mental health moving forward, your growth. And, and that's the reason why you do these things anyway. You don't do them for others. Disclosure and family is really interesting. I find that kind of a fascinating topic. What's different? Like you're still their family member. You've just got a diagnosis that has helped you in a way where you now understand yourself better. You now have reasons for, for who you are and why you are who you are. And, and that's nothing but helpful. But they don't sometimes see that. And then it can create like isolation or barriers or, or walls. I've always been a person where I think you should just disclose what's the difference. And people will say, well, Aaron, that's That's stupid. I'll tell you the difference. If I disclose, my whole life could be ruined. Like if I disclose to a particular friend, um, they might not be my friend anymore. They might tell everyone. To a partner, I might lose them. To a family member, I don't know, they might ignore me or cast me out. or I might be rejected by the herd. Or even more importantly, what if I tell people professionally, it could ruin my career. There's probably, honestly... In 2023, now there's no research behind this. This is just my own personal kind of thought. Actually, you know, let's rephrase it. I'm thinking out loud. Do you think it's possible that in 2023, there could be more, the same or potentially more autistic people in the closet than, say, gay people in the closet? I mean that as a general thought-provoking question. I'm just thinking, who do you feel has more more given or perceived acceptance? Gay people who haven't disclosed or haven't come out of the closet, whatever you want to call it? Or autistic people who haven't disclosed, who haven't come out of the closet? I don't have the answer. Just a really interesting thought to me. Again, depending on the, the cultural environment, the part of the world you're in, I get all these variables. But from my point of view and my experience where I'm at, I reckon probably there's probably more autistic people in the closet than gay people in the closet in 2023. Again, I'm not making an assertion or an assumption. I'm saying... It's a really interesting thought. And why is that? 
Acceptance. Understanding. We just accept and understand some things more than others. Isn't that the key to family and friends? Accepting, rejecting, taking a diagnosis, a disclosure one way or the other. Their level of understanding from the get-go. Their level of acceptance from the get-go. The big one, employment. Disclosure and employment. Should you disclose on your resume that you're autistic? This is my opinion. Of course you bloody shouldn't. If you want to rise it from a point of view of you're proud of it and it's something that you just believe strongly you want to do, because it's part of who you are or part of the way you sell yourself to employers, of course you do it. But if you're saying in general terms, what, do you, what would you advise? I would say no. Do you want to get a job interview? Because isn't that the point of resumes? Aren't resumes in my... I'm just saying it from, a, from the way I view it as a neurotypical thing. Neurotypical people have resumes in effect as a way of like creating a trailer for a movie, but the trailer is like a way better representation of, than the movie will ever be. No, don't... No resume disclosures if you don't want... If you don't think that's important, that's... Yeah. Autistic people, by the way, are severely underemployed slash unemployed. Now, we're talking disproportionately to their peers. This is a worldwide issue. Even here in the country I live in, in Australia, it's like something like eight times, eight times the unemployment rate. Autistic people. It's ridiculous. All right, so you didn't put it on your resume, so you got a job interview. Oh, by the way, don't put it on your application at all. Resume is one thing, but res- when I say resume, it's a given I mean application cover letter. Interview. Do you just blurt it out? No, no, you don't. Do you want a job or not? Sorry, I, I forgot. Do we, live in, do we live in fantasy world where employers are just pushing each other out of the way, just dying to hire autistic people? No, we, we don't. We don't live in that world. We live in a pretty horribly cruel world for autistic people. Put your best foot forward, you get the job or you don't get the job. But you get it on your own merits, on you as a person, on you as a potential employee. I'm telling you all about me. I'm showing you my abilities. You can hire me or you can, you can not hire me, whatever. It's up to you, but I want a job. Like, I'm an autistic person. It's hard to get jobs. I want a job. You get an offer. Again, why would you disclose at an offer? They, uh, they offer you, yeah, we'd like to offer you this role. Fantastic. I'll take it. Thank you so much. Can't wait. So you've been appointed to the role. You've signed up, whether it's contracts or whatever. And let's say there's some sort of, like, probationary period. Now, if you disclose during the probationary period, what do you think's going to happen? Let's go back to the world we live in, which is not the fantasy lollipop land world. It's the real world. If at any sign of you being autistic at work, that 90-day, you know, little cooling off period is going to be utilised big time. And you're going to be fired for being autistic, except they'll do it in a way where it doesn't look like that. Yeah, look, we don't think we're the right fit for this particular role and organisation. Don't fit our values or whatever. Now, you put your best foot forward, like in every stage. You, you work your butt off. You do your best in that role for that 90 days or six months or whatever the probationary period is. Right? You, you do your best. You put your best foot forward. And they appoint you permanently after that probationary period. Or they don't. But it's on, on your merits. You're being an autistic employee, but it's on your merits. You may have many autistic scenarios. And that might not get you appointed. I think this is, this is the argument. But hang on, Ryan. If I told them after the offer, thank you so much. I accept the job. I'm autistic. I'll need some reasonable adjustments to help me thrive in the workplace and maximise my opportunity to become a permanent employee. They're going to be, oh, God help me. And then they spend the period of time between that and probation ending, finding ways to fire you. And they fire you for being autistic, but they say there's different reasons. Or they give you what you want 
Well, you tell them at the start, right? They'll give, they'll give me what I want. I'll thrive and I'll keep my job. Oh, yeah? Where, where do you work? That place sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't hear many people giving autistic people the reasonable adjustments that they require to thrive in the workplace. If they did, I don't think I'd be working on a YouTube channel anymore. It isn't the case. For starters, I think they're expensive and I think they're things. The best reasonable adjustments for autistic people in the workplace is people. Adjustments to people's attitude, to people's understanding, to people's appreciation, to people's acceptance, compassion for people who are different to them. And that's free, really. While you're employed, I reckon, is a good, a good time. Not, not after your first HR slap, okay? Because you probably, you probably missed the window there. So you've, you're permanent, you're employed, and then when you can, you know, when you feel like time is organically right, or maybe you want to do it straight away, you present to you know, your manager, you, you show them that you are an autistic person, you're a diagnosed autistic person, or however you want to, want to word that or present that, and you're going to require some reasonable adjustments based on being in the role for the last six months or the probationary period. I can tell you these are the things that I think will be great reasonable adjustments to help me thrive in this workplace and maximize my ability, you know, my productivity and ability to perform in the role. So this is a win-win thing, right? And then you present them with your ideas, your list, whatever you want to call it, and things that, you know, suggestions. And then the great thing here is it's then in their hands to implement these and to look into what else they can implement. By not doing so, it's in effect breaking the law. It's a breach of discrimination. They're discriminating against you as an employee based on your disabilities. You have a disability which requires adjustments. They don't provide you with the reasonable adjustments you're entitled to legally. They're breaking the law. They're, they're breaching their responsibility to provide you with what you are required to be given as per your disability, disabilities. They're not going to turn around and tell you to bring your own ramp, use a wheelchair. They're going to provide you a ramp. And like I've said many times, my famously coined phrase, they need to provide you with mind ramps. They don't do that. They're in licorice all sorts, my friends, because that's just what they've got to do. That's their job. And you've put, it, you've put it down in writing after you've got the job, you've proved yourself in the role, you've been appointed permanently, and now you're asking, okay, I've done it. I've done it. I know what it, what it takes, and this is what's going to help me be the best at it. And it's going to be a win-win for you. Win-win for me, win-win for you. Everyone's a winner. If it gets to the point where they don't implement it, we've already talked about what that is. But let's say they do that. Okay. Or to, to some extent, do or don't. And you're autistic one day, because God knows autistic people are autistic, and you get a HR slap, a HR strike. Some law school dropout comes down, that's me by the way, some law school dropout comes down from the ivory tower and says, oh, Orion, you were autistic today. You can't be autistic. You're scaring the neurotypical people. Here's a written warning. Two more of those, mate, and you're out. You've been HR slapped. Bang. <laughs> Hashtag HR slapped. Maybe this is a good opportunity to tell you, well, actually, I'm autistic. I need some help. They actually now have, the HR team now have responsibility to that. But if you've gone and put that forward prior, now HR are breaching it too. This is a whole other argument of disclosure. Disclosure is about, in every instance, what's appropriate for you as a person. Is it news to you that you're the most important person in your life? As in, like, seriously, You've got to do what's right for your own quality of life, your own mental health. You do it when it works for you and, and in a way where it's organically appropriate or it's relevant and appropriate. 
And it's if, if you've done it, you know, you've been appointed permanently, you're actually an employee now, not a probationary employee. You've, ex- you've disclosed, explained what you require, and then HR don't adhere to that or HR try to punish you for acting autistic, you know, a manifestation of being autistic, a behaviour has come out they don't like, they can't give you a HR slap. That isn't a HR A HR slap I get. Like there's things no one can do in the workplace. But if they're saying, using the old professional, oh no, but see the way you acted or being autistic is unprofessional or it wasn't in a professional manner. So they're, that's them, then they're making up words. Like I'm not talking about if you want to start walking around being a bully or harassing people or whatever. That's, that's not acceptable. I, I hope you get fired. You can't do that. This is the thing. Disclosure protects you in that instance. So when you say I didn't behave in a professional manner, what did I do? Don't let people get away with generic statements. Okay, and what does that look like? What does that mean? What is an example of why I didn't? What was the specific example that you're citing in saying this? This is when the gold comes out, my friends. (laughs) The workplace one gets me fired up every time. Let's finish on school higher education. You know, look, I reckon it's pretty simple. If you've got an autistic kid, you've got to disclose. Schools are under-resourced, understaffed, crazy busy people factories, right? It's not easy. Totally get it. The squeaky wheel always gets the oil. It's as simple as that. If you disclose your child has a disability or a condition, whatever they may have, and these are the things that they require to help them, things are going to happen. Now, you might say that's not true. It doesn't happen. But it does if you're prepared to disclose and then follow through with advocating for your child's needs. This is what will help them here. This will help them there. Again, it's protection as well because you have disclosed from the start. So with regards to kids in school, I think it's really important. You want to really focus on disclosing and then forming relationships with the staff and the school, proper learning plans, supports in place, how you can assist and adjust. Yeah, sure, Ryan, that's, that's great. But what about those really awesome schools we want our kids to go to where they actually have to interview you? Oh, you mean like those private schools that interview your kid at three? Bring your girl in when she's four and we'll, we'll, we'll put her through her paces and see if she's good enough to come to us. She's four. What are we interviewing? Are you a school? Who pays the fees? You or me? What do you mean you're interviewing? Do you disclose then? I are the same as jobs. Do you want your kid to get into a good school or not? <laughs> I mean, this is what it is. I don't know. It's a great question. I think disclosure with education is important as soon as possible. It's upfront as soon as possible to build relationships of trust and working together and provide the best possible opportunity for your child. And when you get a higher education, for me, again, my experience is nothing really goes bad from disclosing it. In fact, it's kind of like, it's almost confidential. You can disclose to the department of the uni or the TAFE or whatever that deals with people with disabilities and they kind of keep it confidential. So lecturers and tutors and teachers and faculty, they may be told that you have certain supports in place, but they're not told why or what it relates to. A relatively pretty good protection. You should tell straight away and you should apply straight away. Don't, don't think, no, I can make it. I'm great. You are great, but you, but you don't need to be great and not get the support you, you're deserved. So you ask for those supports in education, higher education, and you, and you take them on. Now, of course, the reality is we don't live in the lollipop world. We live in the real world. And in the real world, majority of supports put in place for autistic students in higher education are bugger all or just plain crap house. Simple. Majority of them are, oh, we'll give them more time. You're autistic. No worries. 
We'll give you more time. You get more time. Time! I get more time to not learn this stuff and to sit here having a panic attack while I think, why didn't I learn this stuff? Oh, that's why I didn't learn this stuff. Because instead of helping me with supports that help me learn the content, they just deserted me and then gave me more time in the exams where I'm being assessed on how well I learnt the content that I didn't learn because I didn't have any supports. Anyway, how much more time do I have? Lots more time! My friend, Autism, with Orion Kelly. I really do appreciate your time and I'm so grateful for you watching and listening or one or the other. If you love the content, you're welcome to check out Orion Kelly, That Autistic Guy, my YouTube channel with all my content. And there's, of course, this dedicated podcast channel, my YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. Either way, if it's resonated with you, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Our goal is to help raise you and the community's understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of autistic people. Until my next video podcast, thank you so much for watching and listening. Talk soon. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.